0: Listening to the Thornapple Valley Church podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. I want to say hey to everybody joining us online. Glad you're with us and uh, hope you enjoy your time being a part of the service or if you're listening via the podcast, I hope you're encouraged by this talk. You know, I bet a lot of you who have some religious background, some church background, may be familiar with a ancient biblical character by the name of Abram. Now, his name was later changed to Abraham, but he started as Abram. And he is quite a prominent figure in the Old Testament, primarily because of his faith in God and the journey that God took him through and the blessing of God in his life. And we still know him today and think about this guy. But what you may not be aware of is kind of the the genesis or the beginning of his journey as a young man when God spoke to him and started him out on something that became ultimately the nation of Israel the people of God and it's pretty powerful and i want to show you just one verse of how this started because it's very it's fascinating to me and this is it right here it said the lord said to abram go from your country from your people from your father's household to the land i will show you now this is interesting to me because notice what it doesn't say god doesn't say go from your country and your people, and your father's household to such and such a place for such and such a period of time, he just says, go, and I'll let you know somewhere down the road. Now, I don't know how you would feel about that, but I think for me, just speaking for me, if that was the case for me, I would be like, "Um, God, quick question, could you give me a little more information? Would anybody be like me? Could you just, I mean, you want me to go, but could you tell me like where, what's the way, I don't know how to pack, all right? And I don't even know how long I'm going for. So if you could let me know where I'm going, if you could let me know how long I'm going to be there, what it's going to be, that would be greatly appreciated. But God doesn't do that. God just goes, hey, Abram, head out, and I'll let you know somewhere down the road what you're going to do next. What? tension that must have been for him. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what he was doing. He doesn't, north, south, east, what, what do I do? He's just supposed to start out on this journey. It brings tension, and it would particularly bring tension to people who are control freaks like myself. In fact, let me just ask a question. See how many of you are honest. How many of you would say you're kind of a control freak? Would you just lift your hand, please? Look at all the horrible people in this room, all right? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm in that category, too, but of course, you know this. Life is full of tension. There's always tension in life. It's like you want to do this good thing. There's this thing over here, and you say, I want, I want to do this. I want to do this good thing. But you know doing this will very possibly produce a small byproduct that's not a good thing. And then there's a tension. Do I do it and just let that happen and say, okay, you know, that's the price you pay for doing it? Do I n- not do this thing and just not do a good thing? What, life is filled. You want your kids, for example, to grow up and, and be strong and soar in their lives, And you know that at some point, they're going to have to figure out how to make decisions. And so when they're younger, you kind of deal with this thing. You ask yourself the question, do I let them make their own choices here and then face the consequences? Because there's tension there. You know, we all know that kids, not always, but sometimes can be, well, dumb, right? I mean, would you agree with that? And all the parents said, It's, it's just kids can be dumb. And so you're fighting this battle. Am I like a, a helicopter parent? Am I hovering over my kids to make sure that nothing bad happens to them? Or do I kind of step back and let go and say, hey, you face the consequences and it might be, it might be really difficult. It might be really painful. What, there's tension there. I mean, even in something as simple as going to the supermarket, there's tension. You walk into the supermarket and you, you glimpse from the corner of your eye someone that you know and you like the person okay, but you know... They're a yakker. You all know what I'm talking about, right? And if you don't, that's who you are, all right? People see you and they think that. But they're a talker. And you know that if, I, if they see me and we meet and start talking, we're talking 30 minutes to an hour with this person. And you're, you're, you, know, you don't have to be anywhere, but you're kind of in a hurry. You don't want to spend all that time. Tension. Attention. What do you do? In fact, I would like to just give you some options of what you do. I'd like to see who we have in the house, all right? So, so, so here are the options. You have A, B, and C, and A is you hide, all right? You just, and I'm going to ask you to respond in a minute. Just hang on. But you, 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 you go down a different aisle, and then you run out of the store and just never talk to them. B, you're honest about your time constraints. So you're one of those people who just say, you know, hey, it's good to see you, and I only got a minute to talk, but, but it's really good to see you. Or C, you're one of those really nice people, and you just give in and let them blabber. You just, you, just, you just let them do it because you feel like that's what a nice person has to do. All right, so let's just see who's in the house. How many of you are A, you would just hide? I, I, I have to confess, <laughs> I'm in that group. Let me ask this question, all right? How many of you have ever already done that? Would you just be open? <laughs> More of you than are saying you would do that. I see that. And, 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 and that's what it is. So, some people are like that. How many of you would say, you know, I'd just tell them my time constraints. I'd say hi to them and look at you, you know, the people with integrity and character are there, that's right. Not like all you heathens that were at A. And how many of you would be C, you'd just give in, let them talk. These are all the pushovers around you right there. They're all the people that are like, well, it's just the way it goes. You just have to. But here's the thing no matter how you answer, whether you hide or you're honest or you, you just give in and let them talk. There's tension because if you hide, you feel bad, like, gosh, I can't believe I did that. If you if you're honest about you know where you're at, you know that you may have telegraphed to them that you, you know, you're in a hurry and you know they're a blabberer and you don't want to listen to all that stuff. Or, 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 or if you if you give in and let them blabber, then you just gotta be there all that time and listen to it, and it's just it's difficult. All of them, life is filled with tension. Just like what Ab- Abram must have experienced when God said, Go. Where? But I think, and this is what I want to talk about this weekend, perhaps nowhere do we feel the ongoing tension more than in a mindset struggle that we have a kind of versus, if you will, between the idea of destination versus the journey. Destination versus the journey. So the mindset of it's about getting there and getting it versus it's about the journey that we're on. Now look... Because I know some of you are like me, and you're just thinking, I've heard all this stuff. I've heard people say it all. People say this all the time. It's about the journey. And I always think when people say it's about the journey, what they mean is, I'm in no hurry. I don't care if it gets done. And I just don't like people like that, all right? I'm not, I don't know how to, but people say this all the time. I, people, people say it's about the journey. The truth is, is I'm not really sure they mean it. I'm just not sure they mean it because I think there's something in us that's more often about the destination than we really are about the journey. It's like people that say, you know, it's, it's not really whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. Yeah, no. If you're not playing this to win, get the heck out of the game, all right? And let the people that want to play, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like we say, it's about the journey, but I'm not really sure. I'm not fully convinced that we really mean that I think mostly we don't because we want to get there we want to get that thing I mean we're not thinking about I just want to enjoy the journey to the next purchase of this thing I want to get we just want it we want to get to the next vacation we want to get to the next experience whatever it is we're all about that and then you think about advertisers okay And our life is flooded with advertising. This is, you know, one of the things we face in the world that we live in today is that we're constantly bombarded with advertisements. And and what's interesting about that is is no advertiser is ever encouraging you to enjoy the journey. Come on, right? We just hope you enjoy the journey as you think about and, and move towards the purchase of a car. They want you to buy their car. They are about the destination. And the truth is, I think most of us, this is the way we live. In fact, I would say in the West that the Holy Grail, for many of us, is the destination, getting there. And I'm going to be up front with you and tell you that this is really kind of how I'm bent. I'm sort of a there, a destination person. I think that way, I feel that way. But if you think about it a little bit, I mean, if you're honest about this stuff, and you process it, you know that each of those destinations that we have, each of those theirs that we want to get to, so we they really what they are—is is they're like markers on a larger journey. So they're waypoints. So maybe I want to get the house remodeling. And I'm working towards that and I can get that done, and that's a waypoint. And then the next destination is well, we got to we got to get this whatever this thing. We have to do estate planning, or we have to do some other thing in our lives. We have to do this thing for the kids, and then there's the next thing, and then we want to get this vehicle, and then we want to get this thing in our lives, and we have all these little. Waypoints along the way, these destinations that we sort of live for those. And here's what I'm contending, and I know this is going to sound interesting because I'm telling you, I'm, I'm bent in the direction of being a destination person, but I'm actually of the conviction that we miss truckloads of life in between the waypoints, or the destinations that we go, all those little things that happen in there, all these little things that go on in our lives, we miss these things. And I think most of us, actually, if we're honest about this, we're aware of the fact that we do miss a lot of stuff. Because we're focused on the next thing. I got to get this done. I got to get that thing done. I got to get there. And we're not, if we're not careful, we kind of lose. We miss the go part of Abram's story. And it's hard to see this sometimes. As I said, sometimes it's a real struggle. But the going part, the actual, just the journey in between the destinations, that is really where life is often lived. And I hate to agree with him, but some of you have heard of the theologian John Lennon. Any of you remember him from the Beatles? And he made this statement, and I hate to agree with him, but he's right in this one. He said, life is what happens while you're making other plans. It's that stuff in between the waypoints, it's all of that stuff that we miss out on. And here's why I think this is so important. Because I know some of you right now are going, what, is, what does this stuff have to do with family? Aren't you ta- weren't you talking about families in this series about family? Yes. And it has a huge amount to do with it. Because I actually believe that one of the things that brings such great dysfunction in our lives, and particularly into our families, is that You and I, we become so focused on the next thing that we're doing, and the next thing that we're doing, and the next thing that we're doing, and we're all about the destination that we are missing, and then this brings damage and pain into families. We're missing the life in between. You lose sight of the fact that you're not just racing your kid to a soccer practice. You are in your life right now. We lose sight of the fact that I'm not just trying to get ready for my, my daughter's birthday party and it's like all these preparations and this stupid stuff that I have to do, all these things that I have to accomplish and make happen, and then, and then I'll get to it and I'll have the party and then I'll get that over with Finally I can breathe. and you be, No, 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 no. Those things are all your life. Come on, is that true? But what happens is, is we miss these things. And it's crazy, really. And I could be wrong, but I wonder sometimes if the reason that families aren't so messed up is is that we we aren't living as much as we're just doing, 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 and we're running to the next thing. And we're missing the moments. We're missing the beauty. We're missing the wonder of each other because we become so destination-minded that we've lost sight of what really matters in life. It's like, you, you know this, people, people when they're young, you know, when you're a student or whatever, you, you get a little older and you start thinking about this, you think about, I just want to meet the person that, that I fall in love with and have true love, whatever that is, and I have that, you know. And then we spend the rest of our lives together and you can't wait to find that person and you get married and then you can't wait to start having children and then you can't wait for the children to grow and you can play with them and enjoy them. You can't wait for the children to grow and then you can't wait for the children to go. Now listen, because I've, I'm at the age now, I've experienced all this. And then you can't wait for him to come back. It's, it's, something happens with age that I think can be bypassed, but I think it's very hard to not see it when you age. You catch glimpses of wisdom of things that are important, and you realize, uh-oh, I think I missed something here because I was rushing from one destination to the next. I think I missed the stuff that matters most. And I've been guilty of that. In fact, in retrospect, I'll be honest with you, one of my great regrets. Some of you have heard me talk about how, you know, uh, my wife Ann, Sheeb was the primary boss and runner of the home, and we had six kids, so, you know, I mean, it was a big job and everything, but periodically she'd be going out for an evening, and she would say to me, "No, I'm just asking you to make sure that the kids have a bath before they go to bed. You handle that? You know, it's like, hey, dummy, can you handle the kids having a bath? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Got it. And so when bath time came around, you know, it was just before bedtime, I'd run a big tub of water, and I'd pour suds in there, you know, uh, uh, you know bubble bath or whatever stuff and, and and I did it not not because they would play in it but because it would just help them get a little bit cleaner and then I would have them come in I mean when we had when they were younger I'd have like three or four in a row and I'd just say to them strip all right strip right now and when they get one to get stripped I'd dump them put them right in the tub put them down get them wet stand them up, scrub them off. I could do this in less than 60 seconds, probably less than 30 seconds. I'm not lying on this. This is actually, you can check in with my kids. And I would completely scrub them. Then I'd scrunch them down and put them under the faucet and rinse their hair. And they'd be like, dad, you know, I'd be like, suck it up. All right. You know, and I'd rinse their bodies all off. And then I'd pick them up. Literally, I would pick them up and shake them a little bit to get the water off. And I'm not suggesting you shake young children. I'm talking, they were a little older. But I'd shake them a little bit, get the water off. I'd put them down on the floor. I'd grab the towel. I'd towel them off every bit. And then I'd smack their bare rear ends and say, go in and get your jammies on and get in bed. And I'd do that. One after the other. I could bathe three or four kids in five minutes flat. (laughs) And I missed one of the best times in the world, tub time. Tub time. Where you can be by a kid and just watch them play and be who they are and enjoy them. And why? Why? So I could get to the next waypoint? What kind of ridiculous thing is that? And as I said, I look back now in retrospect and one of the great regrets that I have in my life is that I spent so much time focused on the next thing I was going to get to and the next thing that I wasn't living the life that I was in the middle of and I hope as I said sometimes I think it's hard to avoid learning this with age but I think you can bypass this and I hope some of you will just hear me I think one of the most destructive things about the destination mindset is that we seem to think because the end result isn't there, like like this is what happens in families sometimes, and it just grieves me, is because our family's going through a rough time right now or I'm in a difficult situation with my, my husband or wife or with one of my kids or with my dad, you know, or whatever, however it looks, because of that, we have this, we sort of live with this ongoing disappointment because it's not perfect, because we're not there, if you will. We think we, we got nothing and we're losing. Now, I, I, I don't want you to miss this. I, I think in life, I think there are two places that we get focused on. Here's the first one. It's the place called there. This is where we want to go. This is the next waypoint. This is the next destination. There is really a critical, critical point to all of us. We really want this. We want this. But then there's this other place and I simply call it this And this is right now. This is where we live. This is what's happening in our lives. And this is what I want you to get between this and there. This is really important for you to remember and understand. I know this is so simple. And I'm kind of talking about abstract stuff this weekend, and I hope you can get this. But this is so important to me. I actually felt I needed to give a whole talk during a family series on this thing. And you need to understand that there is not life. There... That next destination point, that next thing that we want to get to tomorrow, it is not life. This is life. Whatever this is, whatever's happening in your life, whatever's going on, this right now is your life. This is your life. You're sitting behind some driver and they're going slow and they're just putzing along and you're on a winding road and you're just steaming because you're on your way to there and you can't get there because... God allowed a 95-year-old crazy person to be driving in front of you who doesn't go over five miles an hour in your thinking. And so you're anxious. But this is your life when your kid pukes on the best area rug you have. And you're like, that's the third time. Why do you come to the carpet to puke? Why can't you do it over on the wood or over on the top? Why? Why? And that is your life. This is life. And see what happens I think for so many of us is we view that as not something to live through. We view it as something to try to get through and exist through and endure and we miss so much. We miss huge amounts. I hope you can hear this. Whatever is going on in your life right now, whatever is happening in your life, it is your life. Jesus said it this way, and I think it's so powerful. In Matthew 6, verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about what? So I think we could call tomorrow there. Because we're not there yet. We're in this. He says, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow, it'll worry about itself. Because, because there will become this tomorrow. Tomorrow. But right now you live in this, he says. Don't, it'll worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus makes this crystal clear. In fact, I think he's driving a point home very strongly. I think he's saying, you just live in this. In this moment with your kids. In this moment with your husband or your wife. In this moment in your life. You just live in this thing. In fact, I would go on and contend that actually what Jesus is saying is, stop lamenting what isn't and start living What is? And this is where I think many people fall into problems: is that they feel like because it's not perfect, because this has all this stuff in it, has all this you know messiness, the kids are puking, and, and things are going south, and, and I don't know if we're going to be able to pay every bill we have, and I can, all these things because because we're not there, this is meaningless. But it is not. It is to be lived and lived fully and engaged. So here's why this matters. I think. More relationships are sabotaged because of what we think we have to have and want. And we're so busy lamenting and being miserable about what we have that we miss all the good that there is there. True living is always about what we do with this. This. Messy as it is, struggle as it is, it's about what we do with this. We can anticipate getting there, and a lot of what we hope there will be can become this. But you don't live in there, you live in this and in family, in your right now, in this you actually have tremendous, incredible opportunity to grow and become and develop. But what happens is, is because we're not there yet, we fester with anger and resentment. And it's like, it's like, actually, you know, you, you, you hear the way people talk sometimes. It's like, they, they feel like their life is nothing, but they're wrong. This, your today is life. There is not life. It's this. It's today. Here's what I think is a huge problem for all of us is we have this idea that the family portrait has to be perfect. So if I'm not getting along with my wife or if I'm not getting along with one of the kids or if I'm not, you know, if my dad's yelling at me a lot or my mom's being cranky or whatever it is, we, we, we think to ourselves because that's happening then my, my whole life is miserable, horrible, and so I get depressed and I want to run away from it. Let me tell you what it really is. This, in all its messiness, everything in your life right now, it's such an opportunity for you to grow and become, become the person you want to be, the loving, kind, giving person that you want to be. It is there. And you have a chance to be of who you can, who you can be, to be who you dream you could be. But you can't do it by longing for there. You do it by living in this. But because we keep, because we're so destination mindset, and as I said, I've struggled with this for years. Honestly, I still struggle with it, I'm in, just in the, for the sake of full disclosure. So I've been working on this talk for a while. And last weekend, uh, some of our kids were over, and we're playing cards together. I'm a partner with my daughter, Beth, and my wife is a partner with her husband, Adam. We're playing Pinochle. And they were kicking our butts Bad. And I don't know, did any of you ever do this? We got to a certain place in the game, and it was clear that it was beyond hopeless. And I just said, why don't we just call this? Because there's no chance for us to win. Anybody ever done that? I mean, this is ridiculous. Why do we keep playing this stupid game? I don't need the pain anymore, and your smug looks towards me, you know, and all that. And my daughter, Beth, who's my partner, says, Dad it's about the journey. <laughs> and I actually started chuckling to myself. She is so perceptive. She went, what, what are you laughing about? What, what? She said, you're going to preach on journey, aren't you? It's, she started laughing. She said, oh, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Evil child that I have. This is a struggle that I have. But I'll tell you what happens is, is because we have this mindset that it's about that next waypoint, that next thing, about getting to there, which we're never gonna live in because life is not there. Life is back here with this. Because of that, we keep making like the same mistakes over and over again. You wanna you wanna just hear? Let me give you a couple mistakes that we make. And this is this is ongoing with all of us. Here, here's one. Is when we're in the destination mindset, we waste pain. Now I know some of you are like, dude, what are you talking about? Pain is always horrible. It's a waste. No, no, no. Listen, let me help you understand something. This is really important. And again, I, I hope you can get this. Today, how we live today is incredibly important about what there becomes. This makes a difference in what there actually becomes. And if you have a destination, mindset, I got to get there, I got to get there, I got to get there. All you're going to see when you go through your life is I have to endure this stuff. I have to get through this stuff. I just have to grit my teeth. I have to escape it in any way possible that I can. And what we miss is is that everything that happens in this teaches and grows us. I love what Rick Warren says. He's a pastor of Saddleback Church on California. Rick Warren says, never waste pain. Never waste pain. Because see, what happens in the midst of pain is though we hate it and don't want it. And I understand some of you are like, dude, that's crazy. Why would would I not want to get get out of pain? I understand that you want to get out of it. But what I'm telling you is, is that in the midst of it, if you understand this, instead of just enduring, you allow yourself to grow. You allow yourself to become in the middle of pain. Let me, me, many of you know this, but let me just remind you of something. You understand that everything in your life, everything in your life is used for purpose. Are you aware of what Scripture says about the kind of God we serve? Look at this, Romans 8.28. You may be familiar with it. And we know that God causes, would you read this word out loud, please? Okay, let's try to get everybody to do it. And we know that God causes Everything. everything. Everything to work together for the good. Okay, let's just stop a second. And we know that God causes how much? Everything to work together for the what? The good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. We know that whatever happens in this, whatever's going on in our lives, all these things, that God is working it together for good. He's working it together for good. All of it. Everything, including the pain. Including speaking to us in the middle of our pain. I don't know if you've thought this through, but I've actually seen this in my own life, that I've heard God most clearly, most consistently in the experiences of pain in my life than I have in the good times of my life. It's a remarkable thing, but it's actually true. Now, I'm not saying that God causes it. But I will tell you that God always uses it. If you will let him, never waste pain. You know, it's a great story in the Old Testament. Some of you are familiar with it. Joseph, who was a well-known biblical character. Joseph is... is. Uh, hated by his brothers, and so they sell him into slavery. It's kind of like human trafficking. You know, they, they find some slave traders, they sell him, and his life goes from being, you know, the son of a pretty well-to-do farmer, and, and, and life looked pretty good, and suddenly it starts going downhill. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, and his life basically stinks. And he finds himself in prison, and it looks like there's nothing good there. And then through this bizarre twist of events, he suddenly becomes the second in command of all of Egypt. Now he has this enormous power. And he uses it to help people. They store grain, and when there's a famine in the land, his brothers wind up coming to that land. They didn't even know he was there, and they did not know he was in power. But when they find out that that's who he is, they're scared to death he's going to use it, his power for revenge. And so they come to him, and this is what he says, and this is one of the most powerful verses in Scripture. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. His response to their fear is, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for what? For good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph understood. You wanted to harm me. But God uses everything for good, for those who are called according to his purpose for them. God uses everything, never waste hurt, never waste a pain. I love how C.S. Lewis says this because as I said, God will speak to you in pain. C.S. Lewis, the author, writes, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone. To rouse a deaf world, never waste pain. Counselors will tell you when you experience pain, you don't try to escape it. Pain is often in this box. You don't try to jump over the box. You walk into this, and you learn and you grow from it. And this is such a powerful truth. This is the thing that can change our lives. But so often, because we're living with only the destination, I got to get to the next thing. I got to just. We're just existing through until we get to there and we are not living. So we make the same mistakes. We, we waste pain. Here's another one, and that is, is that we miss ongoing moments of joy. I just, uh, I think it is heartbreaking how much joy we miss, because all we're thinking about is getting to the next thing, and we miss all the amazing good that's that's in our family. It's, 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 it's almost incredible to me how this happens, but it's an ongoing thing. And here's, here's how it works. So, so, so this is, I, I see this so often. This is what people do. Because, and life is always messy, and life is always going to be painful, and there's always going to be struggle and difficulties. But because you have this, this piece of this over here that is gray right now, this is what so many people do. Because this is gray, they paint the whole box gray. And it is not It is not, but because this is gray, they paint everything gray, and they just say, my world sucks, you know, my life is so bad, and everything, and that. They fall into this pit of saying it's all gray, because there's a little piece of gray, and they miss the joy in it. I cannot tell you how many times this happened over the years, not so much in recent years, because I don't really do counseling, but in the earlier years, I felt like I had to, and couples would come to me, often because... They would say they wanted marriage counseling, but what so often they wanted was really me to just do last rites over their marriage because they were kind of done with it and they wanted out. And they would say this, I cannot tell you how many times I heard this. I don't think I was ever really happy with her. I don't know that I ever loved him. Now, I never say it to them, not in these words, but I would think to myself, baloney. I do not believe that for a second. Were you so stupid that you went for 15 years living with this person and you never had moments of joy? You never had happiness? Did you actually think you were going to marry them and just be miserable your whole life? You've never been happy? No, no. What they did was they took a piece of gray and they painted the whole thing gray and they missed the joy in this And I am telling you that there is joy in your life right now. Come on, this is really good preaching. I hope you're not missing this. (laughs) There is joy in your life. And I know some of you are in pain and you're wounded. I'm telling you, don't waste the pain and don't miss the joy. It is one of the most tragic things, I think, that happens. And and I think even in very dark circumstances, we can find it. I love the story of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are preaching preaching christianity They're sharing Christianity with people, and they're not doing anything wrong. They're trying to bring good to people, but the culture was hostile to Christianity. And so some of the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, were, were coming down on them. And then it went from bad to worse, and they started to get beat up. And I, I just want you to see this story, because I think it's so remarkable. And this is, uh, I'll get to it. There we go. Back, right there. Acts chapter 16. It says, The crowd joined into the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, beaten with rods. Anybody had that happen to you lately? No, this is serious stuff. They were beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and doing what? They're singing. They're singing hymns to God. And, the other, and it was loud enough that the other prisoners were listening to them. Are these people total idiots? They had just been beaten half to death. They were in deep pain. They were... They were terribly wounded. These people were bleeding and bruised in a mess, and they did nothing to deserve it, and it was not their fault. And yet in the middle of that, what they found themselves able to do was to find places of joy in their life, and they begin to sing to God. And I think this is where many of us miss it, is because we're, think, we're only thinking, if I can just get out of jail, if I can just get these wounds healed, if this sore back that I have can just get better, if this thing in my life, if that thing in my life, if my wife would just start respecting me, if my husband would just start acting, if, if, if we think all these things. And what we're missing is the joy we have in this right now. But if we will grab that joy like Paul and Silas did, if we will find it even in the pain and even in the darkness and difficulty, we will see remarkable things happen. And you know, some of you know the rest of the story. You know that in the very next verse it says this. It says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. This thing happened after they found joy in their lives. It's an amazing thing, it's an amazing thing. But I think what happens is we miss this stuff. We, we get so destination-minded that we miss joy. We waste pain. We, we lose. So, so let me ask and answer a quick question. How, how do people like me, destination people like me, you know that my daughter looks at me and goes, oh, yeah, you're preaching about this. She knows me so well, you know. How do people like, like, like Jeff how do they move in the right direction? Let me tell you some things that I've been working on that I've found some success with. And I'm not all the way there. I'm no expert in this. But here's, here's, here's one I think. And when you, when you experience pain, when this gets difficult or dark, I've learned this over the years, you just have to get back up. And this is what some of you need to hear. This, I, this is gonna sound a little harsh. But I think sometimes we need somebody who loves us to get up and say to us, stop whining and get up off your bed. But and start doing the right thing. I know some of you are going, did the pastor just say that? He did. And some of you, maybe the person that needs to say it is you just need to hear it from me. Maybe it's me. We don't like the person saying it to us, so be mad at me. That's fine. But some of you just need to hear this. You've been wallowing in self-pity. You've been feeling sorry for yourself because your wife isn't or your husband isn't or your kids are. Whatever it is, and you feel like your life is just worthless. And somebody needs to say to you, and so I'll just say it, stop it stop it. You're just wasting yourself. You're wasting your time. You're losing joy. You're wasting pain and it is wrong. Stop it. Can I say it again? Stop lamenting what isn't and start living in what is. Stop. Of course, there are going to be arguments. Of course, there are going to be wounds. Of course, your life is going to, some of you are like, no, these days right now, man, I am so in love and things are so wonderful. Enjoy it. Is that true? Because you're gonna, it's going to change. It's going to happen. Life is filled. This is filled with difficult pains and struggles at times where gray gets painted in in pieces, and it's going to happen. That's okay. Because whatever, however difficult it is, God is still God. And it's going to be okay. I love how Paul wrote this so beautiful in 2 Corinthians 4.8. He talks about this very thing. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're not crushed. He says, we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. In other words, yeah, there is hardship, there is pain, there is struggle, but this is not all there is. So get back and then the second thing I would say, and this is so important, is that not only when you get, do you get back up, but when you get back up, then you make the decision. When it comes to your family, you run long distance with them. Okay, I, I just got to do this really quick because we got baptisms doing stuff. Just, just hear me on this, okay? People will say to me, I've had this said to me numerous times, how long do I keep loving him? How long do I keep, you know, how, how long do I, I do this? Because I've just been wounded so many times. And I know you get wounded and you feel hurt. And I know this is hard. But if you're asking me, if you're a follower of Christ, I understand some of you may not be sure where you're at with Christianity. And, and, and I get that. But for those of you who would say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I only have one answer on how, you, how long should you love somebody? How, how long should you love them? Here's my answer. It's real simple. Only as long as God loves you. And when he stops loving you, then you're off the hook. But as long as God loves you, you are called to love them. I, 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 I quoted this verse last week. I'll do it again. Jesus made this statement. He said, freely you have received. Would you say it out loud with me in two words? Freely give. Freely give. How long do you love them? Only as long as God loves you. Now, here's the thing. Okay, and let's just be honest about this. There are times when people are... Doing such damage in our lives, and they're doing damage in their lives, that we do set up boundaries, and we will say at times, you know, this cannot go on this way because it's destroying you, it's destroying other people, it's destroying. So we have to set up boundaries. But here's here's what I'm talking about: you can set boundaries up, and that means you push the door to, but you do not lock it. So you step back and you set up boundaries, but you do not give up on them. I, some of you sitting in this room, you haven't talked to your brother in ten years. You haven't spoken to somebody in your family in so long because there's bitterness between you and you say, well, you know what he did and and, and all these things that happened, everything, and you, you know, I I just, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. Now, here's the difference. You may have to step back, but you don't lock that door. This is the way Jesus said it. This is in the book of Revelations where Jesus is speaking and he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. In other words, he's saying, I'm still here. I'm still here. Maybe you have to set up boundaries, and you say, this cannot continue this way, but you do not stop loving them, and this is hard to hear and do, but this is what you do with family. You run long distance. How long are you to love them? Only as long as what? Can anybody tell me? As God loves you. Only that long, and I'm not saying settle for abuse I'm not saying put yourself in a dangerous situation draw boundaries but you don't quit you don't quit I hope uh, somehow this spoke into your life live this not for there amen live this live this